0: Catch a pitch
1: from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches
0: Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johanesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans.
1: It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. That's your normal football club. This is Nat Fyfe from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
0: round one of your fantasy footy season is done, and maybe for you... You've been reminded once again how much you hate fantasy football because maybe your captain didn't work out, your premium that was unique failed miserably, you put the wrong cash cows on the field. Maybe you've just had a rubbish first week or perhaps you're the total opposite. Everything went your way. The good news is whether you've got a ripping ranking start or things are just gone a a little bit, the good news is a season is not defined by one week's score. Here at the coaches Panel, plenty of strategy stuff to get to, and a, a smaller assembly of the panel. I've just got Rids with me for this episode. Hello, mate. How are you?
1: Hey, mate. A bit of a one-on-one session. A bit of man bonding.
0: Yes, yeah, a little bit of bonding. There's no campfires or marshmallows or trust exercises, but, but there are some really big questions I, I, I want to throw to you that um across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy, it was one of those Really interesting weeks, wasn't it, man, where we saw some some really popular premiums fire, such as a Canelio, um, really come out and smash it. We saw some lowly owned guys across the formats, and I mean under 20% probably, and that's some of under 10%, like Taranto um, and Rory Sloan, and to a lesser extent, Top Rockliff, deliver massive numbers for us in the midfield. Some of our premium forwards didn't get it done, but some of our premium defenders did. And then we had guys like Oliver um, to a lesser extent, um, maybe not a lesser extent, but guys like Zach Merritt. It was a real weird week. I guess is what I'm trying to say is some teams just flew out of the gate and others, their preseason form guide looked good. And then it just turned to crap on the weekend for them. Yeah, it
1: was odd, wasn't it? It was a very, very, very odd week of football. Like, perfect example of that is Melbourne versus Port Adelaide. Mm. So if I say to you Melbourne has the best tagger in the league, yeah, that, you'd probably go, yeah, well, that's fair enough with James Hart. Yeah, it's
0: in the conversation, no doubt.
1: Yet, they didn't seem to want to play him as a tagger. They just let Rockliff and Boat go run around, do what they want and get 80-something possessions between them. Yeah. like. Like, I mean, it was
0: a mad week, wasn't it? It was bizarre. Even using that game as a a perfect contrast point, you know, at quarter time, I thought Port were just about sunk. They were on their knees with how good Melbourne were looking. And then it was... Almost the equivalent of, all right, like you did at school, everybody changed jumpers, picked different way to go. It, it was that much of a drastic change. Port were on their knees in that game. And look, full credit to the kids, to Boke, to Rockcliffe, Lysette, and Ryder worked Maxi Gorn over. But it really did sum up the week for some fantasy coaches. is guys that we thought would go big went nowhere near it. Some guys that we were bullish on that were uniques gave us massive ceiling. And getting the right cash cows on the gr- ground is... As much luck as anything else.
1: Yep. So we're always going to have that little bit of a lotto factor when it comes to the cash cows and the rookies early on. So it's always going to be a bit of hit and miss. The R D T though, like with Real Dream teams mm. gone to a rolling lockout. So but I mean, again, people haven't really adjusted to that thought process. So I mean I'll be using the bench loopholes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yet people just seem like when I was talking to people through the weekend and stuff they were adamant that they had to have everyone playing. And no. it's like, well, you don't need to when you've got guys like Hoare and Collins and stuff that are only going to you know, average small. Mm. Like, they're not really going to be a fantasy-type player. Yeah. Like Burgess is another one. You know, we're expecting 20s and 30s from these guys. So, so I mean... Yeah, it was just an interesting, interesting week of football, I reckon.
0: Yeah, look, there's plenty of questions that have come out from the week at CoachesPanel.tv. Depending on when you're listening to this, the the article could be up where there's a roundtable discussion across members of the Coaches Panel answering some of the big questions at the Coel Kings. Our captaincy advice will be coming through with the past winners of the Nobel Coel, which if you want to join the uh, Coach of the Year groups, all the links are at CoachesPanel.tv, but... I think for me, one of the really big question points that coaches are wrestling with, more so in AFL fantasy than others, but definitely in all formats, is what for you, Rids, I guess, is the difference between a correctional trade, realising and recognising I've made a bad starting squad choice, in contrast to jumping ship and being too reactionary. Talk me through the differences of, of logic and reasoning to help as a fantasy coach to know Okay, I'm overreacting here off one bad game, or no the the signs are now there. I made a bad call in the preseason. I now need to readjust as early as possible.
1: Well, so the first sign for me is that you would have been nervous picking them in the first instance. Okay, so there might have been a little bit of doubt around it. Like, so let's let's highlight the obvious guy, Zach Merrick. Sure. This okay, this is what I was saying last week. Like in regards to having questions around players and having them answered through the JLT, okay. Mm. So Zach Merritt again looked underdone through that. We knew he was going to be underdone because he was in a moon boot for over a month, mm. you know, just prior to the JLT. So and then he comes out and he got tagged. So it's almost compounded on top of that. <laughs> so but at the end of the day, let's be really, really honest about it. And I know this may sound hindsight, but it isn't. It's not at all. Like, Essendon were playing GWS in Sydney. So, Mm. I mean, that's one of the most restrictive, like, midfields going around. Yeah. You know? So, it wasn't as if he was going to go 150 anyway. So, Mm. I would have been thinking, you know, 100 at best, like, this week in round one. And then what happens is the draw comes in, and then suddenly he plays St. Kilda and so on and so forth. And that's why people were selecting him. Yes. He's going to be better for the run. He's going to be okay. Like,
0: And he's going like, to get I, a rocket because there were some certain times across the game he showed no effort when he should have.
1: Oh, it's like 90% of his teammates. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, but at the end of the day, he was soundly beaten, righty mm. So this is a real sticky one, isn't it? Like, So last week, at the start of round one, there would have been... What was there? What was Zach Merritt's starting price in an AFL fantasy?
0: Oh, uh, it was around about, what, seven thirty or something like that? Seven let's, let's
1: say seven thirty, seven forty. dollars Rockliffe, okay, who was the obvious reverse guy, was six hundred. Yeah. Okay, so there was about $130,000, 140000 difference. Now, a week rolls on. One goes nuts. The other one doesn't. Mm. Suddenly, there's only fifty grand between them. Yeah. You know, so if you were happy to pay that, hundred and forty thousand, whatever more than the, you know, the guy, last week, then I mean, if you if we reverse that, you would be more than happy to pay forty, fifty grand more now this week, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. So so, so talk me through that on on that point, and maybe it's an AFL fantasy question. Is it a to to bring it to the point, And I know you're getting to it. Is that a correctional trade merit down to Rockcliffe now at this point and on in AFL Fantasy or is that jumping ship and being too reactionary because of a 116 point difference in a week?
1: The first thing's first. I don't like the word correctional. Sure. What's happened is it's going to remain in your team. Yes. And this is one of those pet hates I have and you know I've got many. Yeah,
0: you've got about 35. Yep.
1: (laughs) People think That if you bring in Rockcliffe this week, okay, that you can then take his season average and that's what he scored for you. No, that's incorrect. It's from now. From round two to the end of the season or when you decide to trade him out. So it's all about what he scores whilst he's in your team. Yeah. It's got nothing to do what he scores outside of that because that's irrelevant now. What's happened is happened. Okay. Yep. So I don't like the word correctional because at the end of the day it doesn't really correct anything. Yeah, exactly.
0: correct. I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah, so it's more of a fix it. Look, I broke something, I'm gonna fix it. Like but it's it's not gonna really gonna fix the bad score like from last week. Yeah, right. So. But what I'm trying to do is say, Okay, look, Zach Merritt might start a little bit slow, he's gonna drop another hundred thousand over the next three or four weeks let's go jump on Rockcliffe, try and ride that up a little bit, and at the right point in time, three or four weeks' time, go Rockcliffe back to Zach Merrick and bank 150000 from Yeah. Him. So that's what people will be probably looking at with AFL Fantasy. So I understand the logic there. But what I don't think people are quite working out at this point in time is the break-even calculations are totally different there than the other two formats. So... We had a quick look ourselves, like earlier today, looking at who was the guy with the biggest break-even. It was Brody Grundy with, and the biggest break-even is not like two hundred plus, like the like um, Super Coach or Dream Team, where it
0: compounds over a two or three week period. Yeah,
1: yeah, correct. Where it's this week, it's one hundred and fifty-five. Now, any given week, where Brody Grundy has a very good week, he's every chance to get very close.
0: And I suppose you could say the same for Max Scorn at 150, Jack McRae at 146, Zach Merritt's just at 144, even a Seb Ross at 135 and Clayton Oliver at 143. None of those are you go, okay, yeah, that's a long shot out of their their equation of reaching.
1: So take away round one, okay, if I said to you Zach Merritt scored 140 versus um, Essendon, uh, not Essendon St. Kilda this round two, you would not be, absolutely, you know, draw, drop in the ground. And, you know, it's not a gobsmack, is it?
0: No, it's not. And you you look at Jackson McRae, for example, he's coming up against a, a side that last week Sloan got 144 in the midfield. Matt Crouch got 132. Brad Crouch got 109. And led defender, but plays often higher as a midfielder, got a 103 in Dream Team Fantasy. So it's not as if McRae, who probably had a pretty bad game, he was really flat in the last term. You're going... Geez, that break-even of 144, oh, I, I, I might sideways him to Canelio here. Those are the kind of trades that are just mind-bogglingly dumb in fantasy for me.
1: Well, same for me, because at the end of the day, okay, McCray's now got um, Hawthorne this week, and then next week he's got Gold Coast. Yeah. So you picked him because of his early draw, not because of his round one draw. Yeah, correct. And let's not forget, okay, now let's go to Seb Ross. It's another example, okay? Mm. Last week, he underperformed. There's no dramas about that. Of he got 83, 84, whatever. People might have been expected 100, 120-plus, you know, against Gold Coast. Gold Coast were pretty competitive. Like yeah. They were a lot more competitive than what a lot of people thought. Absolutely. But this week, they play Essendon. Essendon gave away points to Caniglio and to Taranto, like...
0: Hopper, you know, Whitfield, everybody.
1: Hopper came in with no JLT games and scored 100. Yeah. So I mean, we we can't be reactive with this, okay? So I understand why people are chasing break evens and chasing dollars and generation and looking at other options and everything else. But unless you felt terribly sick watching Zach Merrick, and I, I, there might be a few people that do. Sure. <coughs> Sorry, if you if he made his performance made you sick that you couldn't enjoy fantasy and you couldn't enjoy football watching from that point on, and it's only round one, trading. <laughs> no worries about it.
0: It's that. Can you also do that in in the reverse, I suppose, to, again, fix it or renovate your side or correctional or whatever kind of language you want to put on the trade? Is there also then the reverse of that where you realise you looked at players that you missed um, and you're like, oh, jeez. I got it wrong. I should have started with a, a Grundy, or I should have started with Lloyd, or maybe their scores didn't show it, but I should have started with a Grundy. Is that the same concept and mindset of well, of oh, I've messed Correct. up here? Do Correct. you then make? How do you get your way through that when you realised, man, I, I've missed the guy I should have started with? If I
1: owned Zach Merritt in AFL fantasy this week, there is no chance I'm going down. Right, I'm going up. And getting someone I missed, whether it's a Canilio whether it's a McRae, it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, I'm getting someone Chalor, to a top couple. Gotcha. Radio. I'm not going down because I'm still points. You've still got to score points. Yes. Now Rockcliffe. We spoke. Benny and I spoke about this a few weeks ago on mm. a podcast. Radio. And people gave us reasonably decent feedback about it because we were very level-minded about this. So with Rockliffe, okay, he was priced perfectly for the risk
0: across yes, the format. 100%. And got a reward No this
1: wines week. early. No wines in round one. Yep. We we don't know. You know, all the question marks that came from that, like, were still sitting there because there was no wines mm. The you know... Um, he looked very good in this last JLT game. No they were playing a reasonably uh, friendly opponent. Mm-hmm. I don't think Rockliffe should have got tagged anyway. It should have been a yeah. Gray or a Boak or 100%. something like that anyway. Totally. But So, I mean, yeah. So, Rockliffe was always going to be an option. Like, But the problem we got now is Wines might come back in round two.
0: And it's an unknown. Work. We just don't know. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Across all the formats, he's priced for the risk. He's priced at 80. It's totally. So, but now in AFL Fantasy, he's up another $50,000. So yep. 650000 It's starting to get to that point where it's like, uh, does he represent value yes. with the doubts that we had a week ago?
0: And if you're on the other side where you kind of have the regret of a knew I should have started him... Is it the same thing of going? And again, maybe it's because you're you're bullish and you believe in AFL fantasy. I know we're talking about a lot about AFL fantasy. I suppose it's more at this point on. It's the only format that's had a price changes up until this point. But if yep. you were really keen on Rocky and you just chickened out on that decision for the last minute, is it again the okay? You, your suspicions were right. Jump in, or or is or is the. To say the ship has sailed is dangerous for guys, you know, only $650,000. But have you missed too much of that opportunity now unless you believe he is a top eight midfielder?
1: Unless you've nailed all your rookies, okay? And I'm talking about the key rookies in AFL fantasy. So just give me one second. I'll quickly grab the list.
0: Oh, I, I can Bailey tell you the top Scott, ten, yep.
1: William Drew. Yep. Um Char so Willem Drew, sorry. Yeah, so he's Charlie negative.
0: Constable. Yeah, so negative twenty for Scott, negative fourteen for Drew, negative twelve for Constable. Then is you're gonna continue on, I'm sure. Schultz, Schultz negative twelve. Parker. Negative eleven. That's
1: where I draw the line is that Parker. Top five. Yeah. So we're looking at the top five there. Because if you have a look any further, Will Powell, like was three hundred thousand at minus two. Corey Wagner's no guarantee to be selected this week. Yep. At minus one, break even, and then the next guy's Sam Walsh, at three hundred thousand with a break even of nine.
0: If you were doing that, you'd, I suppose, you'd rather do Powell over Walsh, given the better break even.
1: Well, potentially, yeah, but again, like this, we've spoken about Walsh heaps, and I'm, I'm not really going to focus on. No, no, no. It. But at that point in time, if I want Rockcliffe in and I own Walsh, I'd be looking at trying to find the money to go Walsh to Rockcliffe rather than. Zach Merritt to Rockcliffe.
0: I get you.
1: See what I mean? so That way then I'm still trying to get those guys to score the big points above, but I'm still not missing out on that Rockcliffe ride. Yes. So if I've nailed all the rookies happy days, I know that we haven't though. Like Lachlan Schultz was an absolute, came from left field.
0: Uh, For fantasy coaches, they didn't see him coming. And in, in terms of his ownership, numbers. Again, this is just purely at time of recording. It may have gone up and down. He's still in less than 5% of AFL fantasy sites.
1: So he's in the top four negative break evens. They play Gold Coast this week. So? So that says to me, okay, even if he scores a 50 or a 60, that's that makes it like, let's say he scores 50 this week. Sure. Okay, we will be very conservative. That's still 62 points better than his break-even. Yep. So roughly 500 bucks a pop, okay? So That's still 30000 worth of dollars going into his account yep. on his price. Rockliffe has to go 60 points over his break-even, which is 38 to match the same rise. Yeah. Okay, and I was conservative with shorts. If will come out and dominate, like, I mean, their lowest scorer might be 50.
0: Yeah, yeah. But again, so, I guess the other variable in that is while well, you are talking about cash generation, there's also the points on field, is the other variance in there as well.
1: And that's exactly why I'm saying I wouldn't go someone with a very friendly draw this week down to Rockcliffe. I would be looking at a Sam Walsh or a You'd be looking somewhere there? else. So here's. Zach a- Butters. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a cousin, per se. Yeah. Like, um, even if you started. Um,
0: Sam well, Collins they, uh, What know. about
1: Brad Crouch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's got a break even of fifty A and you you know, you're dreading the fact that you chose Brad over Rockliffe. Yep. That makes more sense to me going that way than going someone you thought was going to be a season long keeper and average a 115,000, um 110, 115 across the season, sorry. Um, and getting rid of them after one poor performance.
0: Yes, I, I hear what you're saying. And even then, I I probably wouldn't do that, Brad, trade, given that it's 100000 you know, that you're going to lose off that. But, but I get what you're talking about in terms of the mindset, the understanding, the reason why you're trading a player in versus the reason why you're trading a player out.
1: Now, and don't forget, this is my first full serious season in AFL fantasy. So there was a time when we first went to um, two trades a week and stuff where I played seriously. That was before Dream Team came back into yep. the picture. I did okay, like when I was focused on that. Yes, um, but this is really the first time I've really been focused on AFL fantasy because I really want to get a good picture of it. Yeah, no, want to give saying. it a bit of a crack.
0: Yeah, and, and I appreciate that, and no, I understand that. So, so I guess my question, coming back to all of that, is. Again, it's purely for AFL Fantasy. I do want to talk Dream Team and Supercoach in a second. So I understand not everyone um, that listens to the podcast plays AFL Fantasy, um, but but I think there's still some some learnings for you here as a fantasy coach and Supercoach and Dream Team in terms of understanding the mindset and the philosophy behind the tradings and the chasing of the break-even, so to speak. Um, in AFL Fantasy, and maybe there's some relevance for coaches next week in Dream Team and Supercoach as well, what's more important in your fix-up trades right now. Is it to get the cash cow that you missed with the great break-even a la this week in AFL Fantasy, Lockie Schultz? Is it to fix up a, a bust of a mid-price selection for the sake of a name? I'll just use Pierce Hanley um, as a name. Yep. Um, and Or a failed premium. We've talked about merit, but let's use Clayton Oliver in AFL Fantasy uh, yep. for for a difference. What is more important for a coach to do? And again, I know there's 30 players, there's different variances, all that. What's the greater priority of trade this week? Fix the premium, get rid of the 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 mid-pricer that did not work as expected, or get the cash cow that you've missed out that's got a ripping break even?
1: So my suggestion to everyone is you need to look at your team and you need to see what's on your bench in each of the spots. Right. Okay, so Pierce Hanley... It frustrated me <laughs> on the weekend, no end, watching these guys just bomb the ball long all the time. There was no switches. I'm sitting there watching Hanley by himself, sitting in a back pocket looking <laughs> for switches. And it's amazing how you pick up on these little things when you own them. Remember a couple of years ago, we were talking about Dyson Apple. Yeah, and yeah. And I said to you, he's the worst guy ever to own because he's got blonde dreadlocks. You're noticing. You see him around every contest. Yeah. And so you go and get the hell in there and get the <laughs> ball and score with some points like so, but again, let's let's be honest about this, okay? So what we need to do is we need to generate the cash and we also need to maintain the scoring. Right. Okay. So but we can't we can't kill one for the other. So you've got to be confident with the guy coming in that he's going to outscore the guy you're replacing. Otherwise, it's just not a good trade. Mm. Okay? So if you've got two trades a week, and I mean, this is often where we fall into a trap, I believe. Okay? So the first trade is used to go get a rookie that we missed. Let's just say people are going to go Noah Bolter to um, Schutz. Sure. I know nothing. Okay? So... Then they go, oh, well, I've got an extra trade, so I might as well sideways trade a premium to a premium because of the prices and this and that. Why? I don't get it. Like There was a reason why you didn't start with the other guy in the first instance. So sideways has never been a good idea across any format. And if um, the price is irrelevant unless you trade them. Correct. So if you're bringing someone in because they've got a better break even or if they've got a lower price or whatever else, um, if they're not going to score the same amount of points, you're going to have to trade them at some point in time. Like, yeah. you know? So I understand maybe a strategy, okay? and I've suggested this myself you know, a couple of times, broad strategy a couple of years ago mm. and so on and so forth, to trade a guy down to someone with a good draw for a couple of weeks and then bring the other guy back in.
0: Yes. You
1: know? So, like, I understand that. And that might come into it. So I'm happy for people to do that and consider that. But the thing is, you can't be thinking after one game and one poor performance, hey, this guy's no longer a keeper. This this guy's no longer a premium. Seth Barrett's not going to average 50, MJ. No, of course not. At very worst, in a poor year, he's going to average a 100. Yes. Which means... All of his good performances are going to come from now onwards. So, to average 100 for the year with a poor game last week, he's got to make up 50 points extra. Over 21 over games. 22, yeah, 21 games. Yeah. He's got to score 2150 over the next 21 rounds.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so he's going to average, what, 102 for that time?
0: Mm.
1: You've already copped the 50. Don't compound the issue by bringing in a guy that you're going to trade in a couple of weeks. And then you sit in there in three weeks' time go, oh, geez, that merit's gone 120, 110, and 120 since I traded him.
0: Well, I, I suppose that's the point, isn't it? You know, we, we've done the, the merit to Rockliffe contrast point. Uh, I suppose you could say the same for guys that were underperforming in fantasy, like um, an Oliver, a, a Dusty Martin, uh, things like that. It's going, well you started them because you believed they were value points. Whether that was correct or not, time is going to be the ultimate adjudicator of that for you. But uh, don't go and compound that issue because all of those players are equally as likely to match Rockliffe's scores from now until either the point in time you trade them or at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, though, like, and often we do compound those issues. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, oh, my God, he's come good Would I traded him. You know? <laughs> but... If he represented value last week and he's dropped in price because he one value. bad score, doesn't he represent more value than yes. what you thought he was going to average for the season last week?
0: Yeah, and the only reason that something's wrong, that you do need to make that correctional trade or that fix-up trade or that renovation trade, is because something has drastically changed that was a variable outside of your control. I guess an example from 12 months ago could have been Taylor Adams in the 2017 season was playing as an inside bull role, but the first couple of rounds of last year, I know he's coming back into the side, you know, potentially in the next couple of weeks. He had a drastic role change where he was barely at the center bounces. It'd be the equivalent of coaches that started Josh Dunkley, and he didn't get a center bounce. It's the drastic role change you didn't predict or couldn't foresee. That's the trade you need to make. Not a, oh, he got tagged. He didn't quite look himself But I know he's going to be okay.
1: 100% I nailed it, MJ. All this talk about Zach Merritt has blown my mind. In comparison, there's been almost no talk about Dunkley and the fact that he hasn't played any of that midfield role.
0: Yeah, because he had it for the first two two and a half to three quarters of the game. But when the game got on the line and Sydney were coming hard, I think he only had, I think uh, Fantasy Frico tweet, tweeted it out, just the three center bounces attended in the final quarter.
1: Yep. And, like, I mean, he hardly scored in the second half. So, so again, I know it's not all about that and everything else, but he is a much, much more important fix-it renovation trade than what uh, Zach Merritt or whoever it is. Because, like, at the moment, okay, he hasn't actually dropped exactly too much. mm Having said that, though, I'm not suggesting people go out there and trade him. No. Because the fact of the matter is, because of the draw coming up, the Bulldogs have got Hawthorne, and news read out the scores that Adelaide scored on them. Uh, well, and That was in a win. That's right. Um, Hawthorne, you yeah. Know? And then they've got Gold Coast the week after. So, I mean, there's every chance Dunkley may come out and get that midfield draw. One week is not a failed premium, guys. Yes.
0: I, I think you know, that's important. It really
1: isn't. No. It's not. It's just one bad
0: performance. And especially if so, the role was v- virtually where you predicted.
1: A lot of people finished very high last year with Zach Merritt being knocked out. Like yeah, So, I mean, he had, what was that, seven or something from memory? Like,
0: uh, it was a sub-25 score in round one. I remember that. He it was something terrible. And then he came back after he... It was like a month later before he gave away. you one good score. Yeah, it's like a month later.
1: But then, I, like, I mean, I'm weirded out because Gus Brayshaw last year didn't even play in round one or two and then came out and averaged, I think, 65 maybe. Yeah, he played off the half back for games. his first
0: three or four games, yeah.
1: Then went into the midfield and absolutely tore it up to the point where 30-plus percent of people across all the formats have started him this year. Yeah. And now, after one game of a hundred, where it was a poor game for him, he scored a hundred,
0: though. In Dream Team fantasy, yeah.
1: <coughs> yeah, well, he scored a hundred. Oh, sorry, Dream Team and um, Fantasy. Yeah, SuperCoach was around
0: about, I think it was seventy nine or something like that. They're going to trade him out.
1: Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> so I don't know. I just think um, a cooler heads have to prevail at some point in time. Yeah, man. I, I think. Now, you're again, right. as I said to you, MJ, like it's it, you. That player, watching that player made you absolutely want to vomit and not watch football again for the rest of your life. Trade him because that kills the enjoyment of the game. But that's different. At the end of the day, it's a game. You've got to enjoy the
0: game. 100%, I agree. But there are different reasons for trading then.
1: Yes, correct. Or if there was a role change and you just can't see it changing back, you know, or if you want to take a punt, if, you, if, I said, if someone said to me, hey, look, I'm going to go Zach Merritt and I'm going to get Tom Rockliffe, and then in three weeks' time, I'm going to go Tom Rockliffe back to Zach Merritt and bank 150000 because I think Rockliffe will match him over the next three weeks, I would say, you know what? Back your gut, have a crack.
0: Yeah, but it's got to be that sort of logic and reasoning, not Merritt got 50, Rocky got 160. I'm going to I'm gonna go Chase. I'm going to point Chase.
1: And that's the difference between point chasing and so on and so forth. Again, you've banked your 50 points. Yeah. You haven't banked the 160 from Rockwood. You haven't banked the Canilio points. You haven't banked the Taranto points, the Dom Sheed. Why? Okay, let's talk different now. Okay, sure. Let's move on a little bit. Why is there no discussion about Marcus Bontempelli, this, from what I'm hearing?
0: What was so fascinating to me about Marcus Bontempelli, and his ownership is so low. Is there's only one reason why, and in some reasons it's similar to, to Isaac Heaney, I suppose is maybe a fair contrast, is we know that he's a fantasy football scoring machine, and probably more so in supercoach than the other formats. But the thing that's always limited his scoring ceiling was the need for the Western Bulldogs to play him forward, just given their inability to offer damaging options up forward. But I feel like, while it's certainly not you know, a top five damaging forward line right now, the reasons Bonson was put forward, I feel like the Bulldogs have addressed. Granted, it's off one game. It's small data sample size. Yeah,
1: yeah. For sure. It's small data size. But the thing is, Marcus Bonson a okay, is playing against Hawthorne. Yep. And then he's going up and playing against the Gold Coast in the next two weeks. Yeah. He's got a break even of seventy nine, which fantasy. isn't great in AFL fantasy. Okay, yeah. but the thing is, he scored one hundred and twenty eight last week. Like, why are we hyping up one guy or two guys and not a Bob Pelley or a Sheed or whoever? Sloan, yeah, Boke
0: Boke is another one. Absolutely.
1: You know, so let's let's be let's be a little bit consistent because if we're going to suggest going to a Rockcliffe, then any of these guys could be a good good point of difference.
0: Yes, in terms of ownership percentage as well.
1: Well, Rockcliffe was in twenty five percent of Dream Team last week in right. four round one, so it's not as if he's a unique selection. No, but one in four teams owned Rockcliffe. No. So and it's twenty five percent in anything. fantasy now. Yeah. Well, you're not gaining anything by jumping on him now. No. So, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. So, anyways, I just wanted to ask the question because there's a lot of guys out there that don't see. Nick Newman was all the buzz on last Thursday and then suddenly it's like he's disappeared from the conversation. Yeah. So, surely he's one that we have to have a look at. Well, you know, We we were all asking the questions, weren't we, in the preseason? We just weren't confident because of that second JLT game. Yeah. But he looked brilliant in the first
0: he one. He looked fantastic.
1: Oh, he's awkwardly priced. What does that mean? He still represents value. So would you rather jump on him now
0: or when he's $100,000 more? Uh, that's the big question, isn't it? It is.
1: So that's why we're asking them.
0: Yeah, and I like those questions, mate. Uh, Let's chat about the Nobel Coel, which is the Coaches Panel Coach of the Year Award at coachespanel.tv. You can go there, check out all the links, and in the groups for Dream Team and Supercoach and the Open League for AFL Fantasy, go and make sure you enter yourself in. And the top three scorers for every single format You'll be allocated votes and points for the top three scores at the end of the year. It all tallies up in to our Coach of the Year Award. Uh, get in touch with our Facebook page uh, Wednesday evening is when the Fox is going to be releasing the full top three of every single format. But here is what I can tell you right now. Is our leader in AFL fantasy with three points. We already have a clear leader too, by the way. But sitting in second place, tied at three points is D Davies with his uh, 2,305 score in AFL Fantasy in his side. Spock's pointy ears. He's in equal second place. Bailey's 22, JB in Dream Team. Got a monster start there with 2,296 in Real Dream Team. But Mark and the One-Eyed Eagles, he sits on four points. Because he got himself not just the top score in Supercoach for the group with the 2,294, but he also scored a point in another format. If you want to see the rest of the leaderboard, that lands Wednesday night over at the Coaches Panel Facebook page. Make sure if you are playing all the formats, put yourself in all those leagues, in the Open League, in AFL Fantasy, all those groups in Dream Team and Supercoach. Pin yourself up against the best of the best. The good news is only a handful of players have got points. It is not too late to take yourself on against the best in the fantasy football community. Uh, let's head on over to Coaches Panel's Patreon. People that are pledging their support at to the coaches panel we appreciate your uh, support of the coaches panel in 2019 they've uh, flown in a couple of question rids, and I want to throw them over to you Um, I feel like we've answered a few of the Tom Rockliffe based questions so we will skip over them but David Grant wants to know is there a must have rookie I believe this is for an AFL fantasy and are there ones that I should have to have on my field Again, we don't know all their players. There's all the variables. We'll break it into two questions. Who are the must-have rookies this week? Is it just simple, the break-even game at this point on?
1: Yep, those five that we mentioned early on are the must-haves.
0: All right, fair enough. And then the who to field on your ground?
1: Okay, if you're uh, one of the 80% that own Sam Walsh, you play him on the field. Of course you do. It's not a difficult question, so...
0: I suppose it's guys like, do you put Drew? Is he a must field?
1: Well, at the moment, he's got the midfield role. So does he keep that midfield role when Wines comes back? I don't know. So wait till teams. If Wines is not playing, definitely put him on the field. And I liked Parker's game last week. So St Kilda's got Essendon this week. So I'd be looking at him. There's on-field, Schultz potentially, if you very need to go that way. Yep. Look at the backs. You've got... Um,
0: who you've are got Durzma, Jordan Clark.
1: Clark. Now, Jordan Clark is playing Melbourne down in Geelong, so that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Uh, Port Adelaide's got... Who have they got, sorry?
0: Uh, Port Adelaide this week have Carlton.
1: So I'd be looking at Derzma on the field in the back line. Yep. Um, I think I'd be probably playing Scrimshaw as well. Yep. So Hawks have got the dogs. Yep. And he looked actually good in that last quarter yeah, he compared did. to the rest of his game. Yep. Um I actually thought he was quite solid across all four. He just didn't get the ball, that's all. Yeah. So um so yeah, I think they're the guys that you need to play on the field this week.
0: All right, fair enough. Johnny wants to know oh, any- and,
1: yep. and your guy, Bailey Scott. Oh my god, what a
0: player <laughs> He's is he? a pretty good guy, isn't he?
1: Hey, this is why we were saying that for the whole preseason and we got so much abuse, which is fine. Like I mean You don't have to agree with us, but for cash generation's sake,s and everything else, like Bailey Scott, like Charlie Constable, we had some really, really good, good rookies perform for us this week.
0: Yeah, we certainly did, and even guys like Atkins and Gibbons, while nothing fantastic for them, you'll take that given the basement price we started with.
1: Uh Oh, most definitely, and I'm not saying Walsh didn't score well. No, he did something. He, He did really well, but. What I was saying for the whole course of the year, he's still going to out-average all of the rookies, I think. But the thing is, for cash generation's sake, there's 100,000 reasons why the other guys have got to jump on him at the moment.
0: Yep, no, fair enough too. Johnny in AFL Fantasy wants to know, he's considering doing this trade. He's got a couple of variances here. In AFL Fantasy, Oliver for Tarantos slash Rockliffe. I feel like we've talked about that mindset right now. And the other one is Gorn for wits and bank the cash. Is that a good way of playing AFL fantasy, or do you feel like that's littered with danger?
1: Well, I think it's littered with danger because you've gone... If I asked why he selected Oliver and Gorn at the start of round one for the season, he would have probably answered he thinks Gorn's going to be in the top two um, rucks for the year. Yes. And that Oliver would be in the top five mids. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know, like, one bad performance doesn't make the season. So, let's just see how they roll next week. And, like, I, I mean I, you know how much I love Taranto. I think he's an absolute gun. 100%. So, I think he still represents a lot of values. Yeah. So, I mean, if you feel like you need to get Taranto in, by all means, if that's the only way you can do it, then do it. But I think if that's your main problem then you're doing pretty
0: well. Yeah, it's got to be about that prioritization, as we talked about, is that it's really making sure you get the guys with the right break-evens early on for the cash generation is super critical because in in all formats, um, you want to get the big guys that are going to score the big points as early as possible in your side. You don't want to be leaving the Mcraes, the Lloyds, Danger field you should have anyway. The Grundies, you don't want to be waiting till round 17 and 18 to get these guys. You want to get them at the earliest point in the season, especially if you don't have a plan of how you're going to minimise their impact.
1: And, and to, just to um, add on to that, okay, there's going to be a new wave of rookies coming through the forward line especially yeah. over the next few weeks. Like, we know that Corbett started injured. Yep. We know that Kavara started injured. Mm-hmm. So these guys are going to play football at some stage.
0: Rankin, so,
1: yeah. You know, Rankin's another one, um, although he's more likely to be another couple of months away. Yes. But, but, I mean, the point's still there, that there are guys that are going to come in and actually play at some point. And whilst we've got Drew there, we've also got the option of bouncing into the midfields and so on and so forth. So, so yes, it's a real, real nice position to be in, but we've got to make that money early.
0: Yes, yeah, that's the key. Um, Nectar wants to know, is it just me or is it totally absurd that over a thousand people have traded Gorn and 1,200 people have traded out Grundy after round one in Supercoach? I thought trades are at a premium. He's still a newbie at this caper, but it feels crazy to him. He says he loves the show, so thank you, Nectar, for that, but I guess there's two things I've got to that, and I'm curious, Rids, on your reflection. Part of it could be, as a variance, people just rage trading, getting them out. They know they've got the reverse trade option. They just want to look and see and feel what life could be like. So that's that's certainly a variable that's in place of that. I'm not saying that's what these thousand people are doing, but it's a variance in, in the mixture. But I feel like if you're trading Grundy and Gorn in Supercoach, unless it's doing as you've talked about, quote-unquote, pulling a broadbent, which is going down to a guy, banking the cash... Getting a guy with a great fixture and then switching it over for barely nicks—that'd be the reason. But again, I don't know if I, I'd be doing that with Grundy or Gorn.
1: Yeah, so it's all about the points. So yeah. it has—I wouldn't be doing it in round one. No, right? the last thing you want is for one of these guys to go big in round two, and they can. Or the guy, and then the other thing is the guy that you've got now gets injured. Yeah. Like, see, this is a, it's a real risky little factor. Like, So I'm always a, I'm in favor of conserving trades as much as you can in the first couple of rounds and then going really hard. Yes. Okay, the limited formats.
0: Get but, the cash cow right. If you made a cash cow error, fine. If a premiums change roll, fine. But then get really aggressive from, like, round five onwards.
1: But there are going to be instances, okay, where you're going to need to maximize, maybe pull the trigger this week. So you can use the two trades next week. Yeah. So there are going to be instances. So the last thing you want is to miss the guy you really, really want, like, because next week you get an injury and you have to go somewhere else. Yeah, I get you. Or next week, if Zach Merritt, let's say Dream Team, okay, I'm going to give Zach Merritt or Clayton Oliver an extra game. Sure. Because I'm going to back him in. And they go 50 or 60 again then they're going to have to be looked at trading now because the starting price is where you started at. Mm. So that's the difference between AFL Fantasy to this one is the prices haven't changed
0: yeah. yet. You get another so you can free make look.
1: That, that's when it's a correctional trade yeah. because you've paid for a guy that's averaged you 60 over two weeks. Yeah. yeah and you Whereas if it. he comes out and scores 140 this week, you've paid for a guy that's
0: averaging 100. Yeah, correct. No, it's a good point. Uh, Nathan Ayers wants to know, in Dream Team, and I suppose you could say in AFL Fantasy, what should I do? Is Dusty now just a super coach-only player? He had 30 touches on the weekend, um, but no tackles. Is it a hold in those formats, or is he now just super coach-relevant only?
1: I think he's super coach relevant only at the moment.
0: So in Dream Team, in, in, would you... in uh, hearing what you've said earlier in, in the podcast. In AFL Fantasy, you'd take him up. You wouldn't go to another mid pricer. You wouldn't, in your perspective, wouldn't go to a Rockliff. You'd bring him up to the McCrays, the Treloars, the Canelios, although I don't like his his fixture matchup this week personally. The Matt Crouchers. You'd go to the guys that you believe are clear top eight midfielders.
1: Well, that's what I would do. Yes, and that's but, the
0: caveat of the information there.
1: But... Yeah. Yeah. If you want to go down to the Rockliffs and stuff, and then go say a bolter and spend that thirty grand to Schultz, it's like I can I get that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's team to team. But for me, okay, I would rather go to the guy I missed. That's the big guy. Yeah. So Canilio, okay, is going to go up a lot over the next couple of weeks. And if I missed him in AFL fantasy because I got too cute. Yep. And I'm paying the price now.
0: Yeah, right. With Cornelio, would you bring him in this week knowing that matchup against um, West Coast no. and you wouldn't bring him in this week?
1: No, and I have the option to bring him in and I'm not.
0: You'd rather wait for the week after when he plays Richmond who generally don't tag?
1: Well, I, the same logic applies this week as it did last week. Yeah. So, um, I, don't, I didn't like his second week matchup in West Coast with no James Kelly. So, yeah. Um, Josh Kelly, not James Kelly. Sorry, um, it's getting late with this yeah. old fella. Yeah. So I didn't like the matchup last week when Josh Kelly wasn't named, which is why I went to someone who I thought had a better draw, and it was a mistake.
0: Yep. But fair. Enough.
1: I'm not going to compound that mistake because I still think Hutchings is likely to go to Canelio this week.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: So I don't want to go jumping on Canelio now. Same thing, I don't want to jump on Sheed with no gap in that team. Yeah. Because who does DeBoer go to? Yeah. Is it a Shuey? Is it a Sheed? Now it's become a 50 50 question because some of these guys have gone too well. And we discussed this the other week, you know, but if you yeah. go too well too early, sometimes that attracts the opposition.
0: Well, and using last week's matchup, if someone said De Boer's going to tag someone in Essendon's midfield, nine times out of ten you're going, well, Dylan Sheel is the guy you expect them to go to, but yet they chose to shut down Merritt. If you're tagging West Coast, you're thinking with no gaff, probably Shuey, maybe Yo, but GWS have shown they're going to go and lock down a guy they think they can impact and limit his ability to get the ball and his ability at the contest, not just minimise an impact.
1: Correct. And so, like, I mean, especially against this old team, Hmm. I would have been 100% sure that Shield was getting that tag. Yeah, me too. So they that's didn't. why I would have, like, I mean, that's why I would have probably had in the positive swap starting for Zach Merrick. Yes. So, I mean, that tag's hard to call, mate. Like,
0: yeah, no, tags are
1: difficult. And I, I don't use hindsight. Like, I mean, people use hindsight all the time.
0: No, the captain is never going to get used. That's for sure. Last question from Matthew Dennis before we wrap up this podcast episode. Uh, I believe it is for an AFL fantasy question. In fact, it is. He's clarified that for us. He says he's wanting to trade Patrick Cripps to Rockliff. Cripps will be great, but it's the only way he can do it with Cogs, Trelaw, the Crouch brothers, Taranto, the rest of his midfield. The other trade. This is the trade. I, I feel like the Cripps to Rocky trade. We've done enough of that. You don't like. You personally don't like the take a guy you thought was a top eight to get some cash to jump it unless you believe you've made a mistake with Crips and Rockliffe was the original one. Maybe not spend... The- this is the question I want to focus on, so sorry, Matthew. I know that's not helping you. He wants to do Dunkley to Boke. What do you think of that trade given our conversation about Dunkley earlier? Is that a bit more intriguing to you as an option? Especially in contrast to a Crips to Rocky option?
1: Um, It's a hard one, isn't it? Because I'm 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 in the same boat. I've got Dunkley, but I got Dunkley for a reason. Over the first four weeks, yeah. So I just the Western Bulldogs have got such a friendly draw in the next
0: six I weeks. I don't know if I can make that life. trade. I, I like Boak. He's not going I'm to get that amount staggered. of freedom again, is he? I am
1: staggered that Harms. I called this a couple of weeks ago. I am staggered that Harms did not tag Boak. I don't know what's going on with Melbourne. So it's almost impossible. But Carlton, so... um, Yeah, look, I mean, I could probably see why you want to make that trade. But again, like, I don't know the benefit of your team. If you firmly believe Boak still represents value, yeah, by all means. I mean, if he's playing midfield this year, he's definitely a 95 guy. Yeah, he is. So he'll be in the top five forwards for the year, you know, over that format, so I could definitely represent, I could see why Um, Dunkley's got question marks, maybe you want to wait for a week or two and see what role Dunkley has then bring him back in, that makes a lot of sense as well.
0: He does mention that he has Scott Lysette in the ruck, is that the better priority for him to be adjusting?
1: Oh, look, I mean Lysette there was a lot of love for Lysette late, wasn't there?
0: Well, I think it's because we know when he If he's the primary ruck, which he did not, it ended up being that 50-50 split, rightly or wrongly, the thought process was if Ryder plays predominantly forward and Lysette's allowed to be the predominant ruck, he should present value. Unfortunately, rightly or wrongly, he shared the role predominantly with Ryder. So is that the greater priority for him to fix rather than moving on Cripps, moving on a Dunkley, is it? What can you do to fix up that failed mid-price selection if you've got all the correct cash cows?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah. AFL Fantasy is really, it's a, it's a unique beast. Yes, it is. So, I mean, and you're living week to week as well. So, it's like I can make a judgment call, like, who I think's going to average the most over the year. And really, AFL Fantasy, it's like you can do whatever you want. You can trade one guy in one week and out the next. Yeah. So, I would personally probably go Dunkley to Boak. Sure. Um, in that... Over the Crips to Rockcliffe, yes, I'll definitely do that. Um, and then I don't know about Lyset; like, I'd be looking at break evens and stuff. I think um, maybe an Andrew Phillips did very well. Yeah, um, who would have thought? I you'd don't be know. Tra- like, well, who knows? Like, it's one of those weird games, isn't it? But I just, yeah, Lyset, I think is one of those ones that you were talking about with Dyke Dunkley last, like earlier. Yes, where people thought he was going to maybe ruck 70% of the time but it was really a it was maybe more rider than Lysette set in the end
0: yeah no it certainly seemed to be that case so right? yeah so I,
1: I yeah it's a tough one because like i don't see why rider doesn't ruck
0: uh, no and he cuz he's a very very good ruckman hey man oh well,
1: yeah and you had westoff kicking five goals and you had todd marshall up there as well so i mean they're pretty decent team Port on paper yeah
0: no they've, they've got some pretty handy tools there's nef- definitely no question marks about that hey rids appreciate your work on uh this episode of the podcast so
1: the one-on-one time's over mj yes
0: mate <laughs> it's time to go home back to our oh, other probably oh,
1: I've, oh i love this idea i could just ramble on for an hour and not <laughs> even blink.
0: i'm sure the missus would love that mate appreciate your work on this episode cheers mate Uh, If you want to go and uh, check out this podcast or any others, you can go back and grab them via Spotify or iTunes. We'd love you to leave a five-star rating and a review. A massive thanks to the Coaches Panel Patreons who keep their support and also get some exclusive content. A massive thank you to a couple of new premium Patreons in Stephen Summers and Peter Combaris. We appreciate your support and pledging to become a part of the Coaches Panel Patreon. If you want to join the army, you can do that at Coaches Panel via going to coachespanel.tv or if you want to you can go direct to patreon.com forward slash coaches panel enjoy round two don't forget for afl fantasy coaches you get what dream teamers and super coaches get every single week you get to use the vice captaincy loophole with uh, players playing from collingwood and from richmond thursday night but any trades you make that involve those teams they get locked for dream team and super coaches you get yourself another week of rolling lockout, which is fantastic. Enjoy round two of AFL footy. And from all of us here at the Coaches Panel, we'll chat to you soon.